0: You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm in the Middle podcast, where we watch and talk about every episode of Malcolm in the Middle in chronological order. Today we're talking about Goodbye Kitty, which originally aired November 16th, 2003, was directed by James Simmons, written by Neil Thompson and Gary Murphy. Hi, I'm Jake, and this podcast sucks at sarcasm.
1: And I'm David, and remember... The audience never finds out.
0: Uh, Well, before we get to this week's episode, we have our community segment, uh, which, as usual, we will start by telling you about how you can support us directly, which is through Patreon, where we are Let's Play Death Ray, which has a bunch of bonus content, including our secret podcast, Uncaged, where we're watching every Nicolas Cage movie.
1: And the next episode is going to be about his newest movie, The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And you don't want to miss that, because that movie was fantastic. It was so
0: good. (laughs) And we have some poll results to talk about. Looking back. ...back on the, uh, season premiere, Vegas, which for shittiest kid for that episode, you chose Malcolm... ...for, uh, assuming that Lois was having an affair, and for being whiny at the concert, and for not telling Hal about the affair that he thinks Lois had. Yeah, exactly. Uh, while I chose Reese for, uh, abusing Gordo and to a lesser extent for being mean to Dewey. And the audience overwhelmingly agreed with me in choosing Reese as shittiest kid for Vegas. He got 83% of the vote, with the remainder going to Francis. And Luke left a comment on that poll, simply saying, Reese for animal abuse.
1: Look, I get that part of it, okay? I do. And I kind of agree. But, like, it's also, I mean, it's its its not real. It's not real. Had it been real, yes, Reese would have been a monster. But, all right, look, we're moving past it.
0: Uh, we're moving past it to the least shitty kid award <laughs> for that episode, uh, which I chose Dewey for, you know, taking care of Gordo and trying to stop Reese while you... Chose Reese himself
1: <laughs> for uh, having a change
0: of heart at the end of the episode and trying to help
1: Gordo. Yeah, exactly. He tried to make it better, Jake.
0: And uh, you you fared slightly better in this poll. Uh, I the, the audience still sided with me, but Dewey only got fifty percent of the vote, and your choice of Reese got sixteen percent of the vote, with Malcolm coming in second with thirty three percent. Okay. And Luke also left a comment on that poll saying, Malcolm didn't do anything wrong while every other kid did something wrong this
1: episode. That's not even true. Malcolm always does something wrong.
0: Yeah, but for, for you, Malcolm existing is doing something That's not quite
1: true. <laughs> like He's not completely wrong either, but you know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: then we
1: also have a
0: email... Oh, from Samuel, who wrote in with an email titled Monday and Sherlock Holmes.
1: Okay, I'm concerned, but also very intrigued.
0: Samuel says, Hi, guys. Love the podcast. I started listening to it a few weeks ago and I'm already up to season three. I'm rewatching Malcolm now and can't wait until I'm caught up to where the podcast is. So a thing is living in my head, rent-free, and it is something you're not going to remember. That's probably true. Uh, you missed a reference with Richie in the Episodes Monday, Season 1, Episode 15, that explains the line, If we set fire to the house, Malcolm will go straight to the letter. In the Sherlock Holmes story, A Scandal in Bohemia, Sherlock Holmes set a pretend fire to force a character to reveal her most precious possession, a photo they were using to blackmail the Prince of Bohemia. And Sunday, monday Richie suggests b- burning the house down so that Malcolm would reveal the location of the letter from Southern Alabama State about the damage Francis did to their pool. Yep, okay, that makes sense. May they, they finish? Uh, also, the 100 Peeps was a reference to the movie Cool Hands Luke, where he eats 50 eggs, but that reference has been noted in other places, uh, while this one has not. Now, maybe I can evict that stupid thought from my head now that you know.
1: You know, I've seen Cool Hand Luke, and I am in a unique position to, like, be aware of references to it, because I'm generally very hyper-vigilant of it. (laughs) Right. I can't believe I missed that.
0: That's basically what I said in my reply email. It's like <laughs> I never would have got that Sherlock Holmes thing. I definitely should have got the cool hands Loop reference. Right? <laughs> it's very obvious now that it's been pointed out. Bro, no <laughs> kidding. Oh my
1: god. I'm so dumb.
0: But yeah, that uh that Sherlock Holmes one was a that's a good catch.
1: Yeah, no, I'd have never got that either. I'm too stupid for that. Uh, I'm too stupid,
0: and also I would never expect anything Richie is doing to be a reference to a Sherlock Holmes story. Same, yeah, I would never... Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But that wraps up our community segment, so let's get into this week's episode. And it, of course, starts with a cold open, as Hal is about to get in the car, but as he is, he has the very relatable moment of you know realizing he's forgetting something but but not sure what it is so he starts like patting himself down uh checking to make sure he has everything he checks to make sure he has his wallet the car keys and then like as he's uh like continuing his pat down he finds the grocery list and he sort of has that like aha moment of like th- this is what i thought i was forgetting, but i've got it right here Then he gets in the car and starts it up and starts to pull away, then stops and gets out and pulls Jamie off of the top of the car, (laughs) which is uh, where your intro line comes from. Yup. As he tells Jamie, remember, mom never knows about this.
1: (laughs) Teach him young, Jake. Teach him young.
0: (laughs) And getting into the episode proper, we will, of course, begin with the F-Blood. Yeah. And it starts... For failure. For Francis. No, for failure. Wow. E- even when I was, you know, changing <laughs> up the naming convention, I never, <laughs> never dared to change the f block.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, look. It's about Francis, but uh we we know that by now. you see and this isn't about Francis's failure this is about Otto's failure. Wow <laughs> <laughs> uh, at this point it's just like it's like when you were a kid going camping and you got the campfire and you're poking the coals and every time you do you know a little more fire pops up. I'm just poking the coals Jake
0: thanks that's a it's a nice metaphor for. <laughs> <laughs> what essentially boils down to you enjoy annoying the shit out of me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're welcome. It's nice, it's cozy, it's a little nostalgic. I thought it was a great metaphor. Unlike your shark metaphor, you asshole.
0: <laughs> no, I think I think everyone can agree that the sharks and Sharknado are metaphors for sharks. I, I hate just, you. It's literary criticism one one, dude.
1: You're just absolutely <laughs> insane. So, anyways, the F plot. It
0: starts with Otto in the stables uh, with one of the horses, and Francis comes in and asks what the vet had to say about this horse, who is named Paint Can. Which, by the way, I didn't have the subtitles on, and I had to turn them on because that was not registering as a horse name. <laughs> i I rewound it twice and then it turned on the subtitles because i was like paint can that can't be right is it pecan (laughs) dude
1: my brain went a very different way with it you see uh because instead of not being able to like register it as the horse's name like it made my brain like hone in on the pale that you see francis uh holding up when auto first comes in And so he he says paint can, and my brain warped that pail into a paint can. I had to go back and rewatch the scene to be like, was Francis feeding that horse paint? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But
0: Otto says that paint can is fine. Everything was great. And then he like grabs Francis by the arm and, like, leads him a few feet away and then quietly says that, uh, the vet says everything is horrible and Paint Can has an incurable disease and they're going to have to put her down. Poor Paint Then he gives, like, a little speech about how they're ranchers and they have to do this right and, you know, ensure that, a Paint Can is... Put down by their own hands, and as he's like wrapping it up, Francis like looks back at the horse and says, "You're gonna make me do this, aren't you?" Then, when he looks back, Otto is already gone. <laughs> then Otto is looking for Francis, like wandering through the grotto, and he starts uh, talking to him while Francis is off screen, and Otto's saying. You you haven't done it yet, have you? And Francis like pops up, having been uh, hiding behind some hay bales, and says, "Well, if I had, I wouldn't be hiding from you."
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and Otto tells Francis that they need to do this, that it's for Paint Can's own good, and uh, that they're going to send her to uh, horsey heaven, where she could uh she's free to ah uh, gallop around and where the horses ride the people. (laughs) But then he gets, like, a look of realization on his face and says, unless Paint Can was a bad horse, in which case she'll be sent to a lake of fire with a tasty bale of hay just out of reach. That's right. Then Francis says that he can't do it. He has never killed anything bigger than a poodle. And that was a total accident. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Bear. so Otto agrees to help him he says that they will do it together and uh, once once again like leaning into like the macho rancher stuff saying you know it's their duty as real ranchers we'll meet up and do it at five o'clock right after yoga <laughs> then we uh see them preparing to put paint can down as francis gives her the the biggest carrot he could find and is like petting her and comforting her and uh, both he and Otto uh, get their shotguns and close their eyes as they're aiming at paint can and they're, they're like talking it over and as they are they're just like both very slowly turning towards each other with their guns still pointed forward and, uh, neither of them can do it. Otto does, like, a countdown. And when he, you know, reaches zero with the... Both of them now, like, fully pointing their guns at each other. but so they both chicken out. And can't do it, but they keep their eyes closed. And they, uh, count down again. And uh, when they reach zero, this time they both just say, Bang! But obviously don't actually shoot. And then they... Once again, uh, you know, resume arguing about how neither one of them is uh, shooting. And they finally open their eyes and realize that they are pointing the guns at each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and both, like, jump back scared. And they you know, start to yell at each other. With Otto saying, You are going to shoot me. And Francis saying, Well, not if you shot me first. <laughs> and as they're now arguing, about almost shooting each other. Paint Can falls over with a thud. And Francis walks over and, you know, examines Paint Can trying to figure out what happened. And he figures out that Paint Can choked on the carrot he gave her and fell over dead. Tsk, tsk, disk. And they, they both just, like, sadly look down at Paint Can. And uh, Francis says, well... No one can say
1: we're not real ranchers. <laughs> and that is it for the F-1. I mean, he's technically not wrong. It doesn't make it any better, but he's...
0: <laughs> From there, we will go to the RL, the Reese and Lois plot. Really? And, yeah. Anyways, keep going. Now, what, what do you have at labor? Well,
1: this is clearly girlfriend plot.
0: But or diary or diary. Yeah, diary right. plot makes sense. Girlfriend plots.
1: Uh, well, I I literally have in my notes two lists of names for every plotline in this sh- episode. There is. Would you like to know the names of the lists, Jake? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. What are they? The real names and the Jake names. And then in parentheses next to the Jake names, you know, to give him an aneurysm. Thanks, David. Uh, You're welcome. Uh, I figured with your whole Groundhog Day project, uh, I could further the insanity. If you go insane, I can convince you to come watch Doctor Strange with us tonight.
0: No, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's how that'll work.
1: Maybe. We'll see. No.
0: I feel like that would be the opposite of going insane.
1: Maybe. (laughs) We'll see. Or maybe I just drive you to only watch Groundhog Day. Uh, as your only movie forever for the rest of your life. Uh, either way, I feel like I win. Yeah, that seems more like. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, but this plot line starts uh, with
0: Hal bringing out Lois's old diary as he found it while he was looking for a baby book for Jamie. Uh, but she says he found uh, Dewey's old baby book still in the plastic wrap. <laughs> so that problem is solved. But, uh, Hal just, like, gives the diary to Lois, who, like, briefly looks through it and then puts it down on the table, which just happens to be, like, right above Reese's backpack. And when Reese uh, gets, you know, called out to uh, go to school, Reese says that he's starting to feel like uh, no one in the family except for him cares about his hair.
1: Know that feeling, Reese. Keep Keep, <laughs> keep, keep going, Reese. You'll be all right.
0: And as he's, like, in a rush, he accidentally knocks the diary into his backpack as he heads off for school. Then, uh, Reese finds the diary at school as he's eating lunch. Uh, he's like, has his backpack open and he, like, pulls it out looking confused. And then he, like, reads just a little bit of it and, you know, figures out that it's a girl's diary. And he, like, looks around... Uh, like, all of the girls eating lunch around him, assuming that it's one of them. And, uh, somehow their diary has ended up in his backpack. Then, uh, the next time we see Reese, he is, uh, eating dinner. And he is telling Malcolm about what has happened. That, you know, a girl at school lost her, uh, diary in his backpack somehow. And he's been reading it. And he is, uh really getting into it even at this point he's like fascinated by uh reading you know these entries and into this other person's life then uh we see like our uh first of a couple flashbacks as reese is reading the diary uh we get like a young high school age lois and immediately the first thing she's talking about Uh, like, sitting at lunch with one of her friends, she says that there was a guy named Hal. (laughs) Specifically, an idiot named Hal. True. But he, as he was streaking through, he didn't see that the volleyball net was still up, and they had to, uh, take him out on a stretcher. (laughs) Then, uh... She sees a, another kid, like, walking past a trash can, and he goes to throw his, like, little milk carton away. But he misses, and it just lands on the ground, and he, like, looks at it, then just keeps walking. And Lois, of course, being Lois, uh, stands up and starts to yell at this kid for just leaving his trash laying around and assuming someone else will uh, pick
1: up after him. <laughs> What, were you born, like, 45?
0: And, uh, it's also worth noting that, like, the going into this little flashback, Lois, like, found some dirty socks that Reese had left on the kitchen table and had picked them up and was, of course, yelling at Reese, who's ignoring her as he's, you know, so wrapped up in reading this diary. (laughs) And the flashback ends as Lois... Uh, having now been insulted, walks over and picks up the little milk carton and throws it at the kid who dropped it, screaming at him. Which then cuts uh, to present day where Lois is throwing Reese's dirty socks, yelling almost exactly what she yelled at that kid, at Reese. But of course, Reese being Reese, he uh, is not picking up on any of the, you know, context clues that this is Lois. (laughs) And he is, uh, becoming infatuated with this mystery girl. Then, uh, we get a little aside that relates to this plotline as, um, Malcolm uh, rolls up to Reese in a wheelchair, which will, of course, cover why in his plotline. And Malcolm is, uh, you know, very gloomy and unhappy, and... Reese just, like, looks at him and says, You've never been in love, have you? (laughs) He Uh, has fallen in love with the Diary
1: Girl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Oh, Reese, you know not what you've done. (laughs) Then we
0: uh, get some more of Reese reading the diary and getting some more flashbacks. And uh, the, the next one starts with lois uh once again sitting with her friend and they're doing uh the little paper uh what the fuck are those called the little like fortune telling uh, yeah it ha-
1: it has a, a nickname and uh we'll we'll get into that later okay because i want to see if you can remember it before the end of the episode probably not probably not but i want to see
0: uh, <laughs> But it is, uh, predicting that Lois is going to have all girls when she has children. <laughs> and Lois says that, you know, she, uh, she doesn't even want kids when she's older. The, the whole suburban mom thing seems like a nightmare to her. Then <laughs> they start to check out a guy who's, like, sitting at a table across from them, and, uh, they're talking about how hot he is. And Lois is, like, trying to think of a way that she could get his attention, and her friend tells her that, you know, she, uh, shouldn't worry about that part. And when Lois asks what she means, she says, Well, uh, just wait for him to do something you don't like, and you'll scream at him, and that'll get his attention. And when Lois is, you know, asking, you know, what does she mean by that, she... Uh, gets told that she has a nickname around school, that people call her The Mouth, uh, because she is always yelling at people. But her friend reassures her that, you know, they're they're just a bunch of immature idiots. And the principal's just trying to fit in. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that that clearly makes sense. (laughs) Then the, the next time we come back to another one of these flashbacks, Lois has, like, ...gotten with this guy, and she has been controlling herself in a very malcolm holds his tongue esque manner. And she has just been, uh, keeping her mouth shut, and everything has been going great with this guy because of it.
1: Yep, because she never speaks. Yep. And,
0: uh, we see them, like, going through the halls, and he is talking to Lois... And Lois is just like giving non committal, like one word answers. And he tells her that, you know, she's a really good listener. Reese then, as this is happening in the diary, like out loud screams, No! (laughs)
1: Which
0: (laughs) Hal hears and like pokes his head in. And he asks Reese, you know, what's wrong? (laughs) And Reese asks Hal, uh, uh, is it wrong to completely change who you are just for some hot guy?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> without missing a beat, Hal asks, Well, uh, that depends, Burt Reynolds hot or Sting hot. <laughs> 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 but then, uh, going back into the flashback, it then proceeds with, uh, the guy, like, taking his gum out of his mouth and sticking it on a locker. Which is the straw that breaks the camel's back as Lois finally snaps and yells at him and, uh, tells him he's a, self-centered jerk. And, uh, then she, like, ends her little rant with, I'm sorry. And the guy is into it. <laughs> he says that he's... he actually likes how passionate she is about, uh, the environment. And they, like, prepare to kiss. And as they're, like, leaning in towards each other, Reese inserts himself into the fantasy, uh, taking the place of the guy. (laughs) And he is interrupted right before the the fantasy proceeds to kissing by Lois, who uh, comes into his room and sees that he is reading her diary and asks where he got her diary which just prompts Reese to like finally piece things together and just scream as the camera zooms out further and further until it's in space <laughs> <laughs> poor reese see Ree- reese was right all along reading is bad no jake
1: reading is good
0: we never read he wouldn't have had this problem i mean
1: Probably, but Freud would say this problem is normal, so I mean, <laughs> Freud was a coke fiend, but you know,
0: uh, look <laughs> from there, we will go to the other short plot line the D plot for Dewey
1: uh, it's the B plot, Jake
0: for baby, yeah, okay, yeah. that, that one at least
1: adds up do you want do you want you want to know what the other one? Yeah, what's the nonsense one? It's the F plot, Jake, for food, baby food. <laughs> oh i'm really glad i thought of this last second yeah me too (laughs) i literally like the credits were rolling for the intro song as i'm like oh i should mess with jake on the on the outlines even more today (laughs) yep 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 that sounds right (laughs) this is what you get for not being home (laughs) wow (laughs) look you leave and i get meaner (laughs) (laughs) So, this
0: plotline starts with Lois trying unsuccessfully to get Jamie to eat some baby food. Uh, She's, you know, trying to uh, get him to, but he is just refusing to even try it. And uh, Dewey walks by past her, and when he does, Lois, like, in a hurry to get to work, stops him and says... You're good with the baby. I bet you can get him to eat the food. (laughs) And Dewey says, No, I'm not. You're just saying that. (laughs) And Lois just says, You
1: got me and walks away. She says his prize is he gets to feed the baby.
0: Then Dewey uh, tries to do uh, the thing of, you know, trying the food in front of the baby to, you know, show that it's good so that the baby will try it. And he, like, you know, takes his bite, and he says, you know, it, it's uh, pretty good. Even I like it. And then he, like, scoops up some more and starts to give it to Jamie. Then decides he wants more, and takes another bite, and then proceeds to just start wolfing down the entire jar of baby It sure makes sense. Then we see some more of Dewey's uh, baby food eating as he's in his room alone, like, sneakily eating some more. Then, when he opens up the desk drawer, it's just full of empty baby food jars. And, uh, he, like, gets called off to dinner. Then, uh, the next, like, dewy, relevant thing is, uh, he is complaining to Hal, like, as they're walking, uh, about, you know, growing up. Or, actually, he's complaining to Lois about, uh, growing up and how... Everything just gets worse, and you have to do more, and people don't love you as much. And Lois reassures him that uh, it's it's not always like that, only with this family.
1: <laughs> At least she's honest with him, you know?
0: I suppose. <laughs> then uh, we get, like, a little throwaway line from Lois as she's talking to Hal, saying that uh, you know, she she doesn't know what's going on with Jamie, but, uh, they're going through so much baby food and he still insists on nursing all the time! <laughs> then, we see Dewey regressing further. <laughs> As he is, uh, once again, like, in the bedroom alone, wearing his pajamas, and drinking milk from a bottle. And he goes out to the living room, And as Hal is, like, talking on the phone, he walks over to him and, uh, just asks him to pat his back, which Hal does until he burps. Then, uh, we we see the climax of this plotline as Dewey, now dressed in a onesie and a diaper, goes to Lois... And tells her that he has a proposal, and he wants her to hear the whole thing out before she stops him. (laughs) (laughs) And he says that he doesn't want to go to school or do chores anymore. Uh, He he just wants to uh, lay around and be taken care of, and in return, he'll be very adorable and lovable. (laughs) And Lois, as he's saying this, is just like staring at him. And once she realizes he's wearing a diaper, she just asks, are you wearing a diaper? And he says, I wanted to commit. I wanted you to see the level of my commitment. (laughs) I love it so much. uh, Lois just like screams and... The like wrap up the like little epilogue for this plot line is in the background of an other scene as it's like wrapping up. We see Lois chasing Dewey through a park, while like yelling, uh, "Don't run! You're just making it worse for yourself." While Dewey screaming, "It was just a joke! I'm a big boy!" <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, I love Dewey. <laughs> Not gonna
0: lie, I forgot how far this, uh, plot line went with that. I remember the baby food thing, but I didn't remember that it progressed from there. That's funny. <laughs> uh, but that leaves the main plot line for this episode. The MASH plot for Malcolm, Abe, Stevie, and Hal. Seriously, Jake? Yeah, it's an acronym. What names did you give this plotline, David?
1: Oh, well, I mean, I feel like that should be obvious. The real name for this is the uh, GK plotline. Okay. It's a Goodbye Kitty plotline. Yeah, yeah. God, clearly. Yeah, clearly. That, that would make sense. Yeah, see? What's what's um, your
0: bullshit one?
1: It's the RW plotline, Jake. RW. Uh-huh. For replacement wife.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Fair enough, I suppose. <laughs>
1: Look, I was... Uh, They can't all be golden.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Turns out they can't all be bronze. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow.
1: (laughs) You're the worst. Uh, But
0: This plot line starts with Stevie trying to convince Malcolm to play wheelchair basketball with him as his partner for a 2v2 tournament. And Malcolm is refusing, saying that, you know, he, he thinks it would be wrong for him to uh, enter this uh, under, you know, false pretenses, taking the spot from a kid who's actually in a wheelchair. And, uh, Stevie initially just calls him chicken. <laughs> then, uh, as Malcolm, like, continues to refuse, uh, well, Malcolm suggests that he asks the, uh, drooling kid with the hot nurse... But Stevie says, no, Norm's a ball hog. (laughs) Wow. Then uh, Abe is there to pick them up, and Malcolm asks him his opinion on this uh, moral quandary he has, if it would be wrong for him to play. And Stevie's argument that he puts forward to Abe is, uh, you know, is it still wrong, even if you're being asked by your best friend who... Needs to win for his mom, who's coming back from this long trip. And, uh, Abe reassures Stevie that, you know, he's sure that, uh, Kenny'll just be happy to see him after being away for two months. It doesn't matter if he wins. Then... Stevie points out that he is always there for Malcolm, and he brings up their 7th grade dance when Malcolm was having his first dance, and Stevie pointed out to him that his fly was open before anyone else noticed. And Malcolm says, uh, okay, I'll do it, but you have to stop bringing that up. Uh, then, uh, we see Malcolm, uh, at home, practicing, uh, riding around in the wheelchair, <laughs> which Hal is impressed by. <laughs> he tells Malcolm that's good thinking because you never know when there's going to be a horrific accident and you'll have to be in a wheelchair for your whole life. <laughs> God. Um, you, you gotta love Hal. Then uh, the Wilkerson's have Abe and Stevie over for dinner because Kitty is supposed to be coming back tomorrow and Lois wanted to uh, give them one last chance to uh, eat meat before she comes home. And uh, Stevie is so excited about Kitty coming home that he can't even eat, and he is, like, going through the list of all of the stuff he's done to, you know, prepare for coming back. He says he made her a card, and he baked her a cake, and he wrote her a song, and... He asks Abe if they can put up Chinese lanterns in the house for when she comes home. And Abe, of course, agrees. Then he, uh, grabs Hal and, like, pulls him aside. And (laughs) explains that Kitty is not coming home, that she divorced him two months ago, and he has been lying to Stevie this whole time, and now he doesn't know what to do. And he tries to get Hal to tell Stevie instead of him, (laughs) (laughs) which, uh, of course, Hal doesn't want to do, and, you know, Hal starts telling him that uh, he has to be the one to tell Stevie. Then Lois walks uh, into their conversation and, uh, you know, asks what's going on, and uh, Hal explains it to her, and, you know, uh, she is also shocked, and... Then they like starts to talk about what went wrong, and uh, Abe explains that, uh, that that they've been having issues for years, makes sense, including their uh, very mechanical love life, as he puts it, and that the the only reason Kenny uh, has stayed for this long is to take care of Stevie, but that. Uh, She's decided that, uh, Stevie is, you know, independent and well enough that she can leave them. And she has. And as he's explaining this, Reese walks into the conversation. And when, uh, they, they like, loop him in on what's happened and are, you know, trying to figure out someone to, uh, tell them what they've now tried to get Lois to do it, Reese just immediately says, I'll tell him. (laughs) And... Lo- Lois is, like, trying to get him out of the conversation entirely, uh, telling him to uh, mind his own business, which, of course, he is not going to do, because he's Reese. And Malcolm walks into the conversation and is also looped in. And Abe uh, now turns his attention to Malcolm, saying, you should be the one to tell him. It-, it should come from a friend.
1: Yeah, wouldn't it be more comforting? But also, and the audience might think I'm a monster here, but I kind of agree with Reese on this one. Like. Just tell the kid, like, Jesus.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it should have been Abe to tell him, but, uh,
1: yeah. I, I don't disagree, but I mean, you know, Abe's being a wuss about it. Somebody's got to tell him.
0: So I, I will say, I did not hold this against Rief for this episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, like, I well, I may not agree with his delivery, but I agree with what he's saying. Right,
0: but uh, Malcolm also does not want to be the one to tell Stevie, and... Because Malcolm uh, is also a wuss. Uh, Abe, uh, says, uh, well, I, it should be you. It's your fault that, that Kenny left me. Because before he met you, Stevie couldn't even handle a (laughs) yo-yo. Jeez. Now he is playing basketball and going on ski trips. (laughs) Man, uh, finally, Dewey walks into the conversation as, uh, Reese is, like, walking back into the kitchen. And, uh, Dewey doesn't have anything to say about their conversation. He just wants to complain because, uh, this baby food jar says it's a whole serving.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: In what world, Jake? In what world? Then
0: Reese walks back into the conversation and just very nonchalantly says, I told Stevie, uh, someone should probably go talk to him. He's taking it pretty rough. <laughs> and, They all, like, look down the hallway into the kitchen, where Stevie is just sitting alone at the table, like, staring at all of them, looking very sad. Yeah. Poor Stevie. (laughs) Then, when we come back to this plotline, Malcolm and Stevie are at the park, both in wheelchairs. And Malcolm is, like, practicing for the wheelchair basketball. But Stevie is just sitting there, completely non-responsive, not saying anything, not doing anything. As Malcolm is, like, trying to talk to him, you know, trying to get him to, uh, want to play this game again. Then, like, even, uh, as the wind, like, picks up and a candy bar wrapper hits Stevie in the face, Stevie just, like, sits there with it still on his face until Malcolm takes it off and throws it away.
1: Yeah, poor Stevie.
0: Then Malcolm tries to get Stevie, you know, just to talk to him, to say anything, and Stevie, uh, using a, like, speak-and-spell device, tells Malcolm to, uh, go away, and Malcolm, like, uh, frustrated with Stevie... Uh, gets up out of his wheelchair and walks away like storms off. Which, of course, when he does, all of the other wheelchair basketball players see this and, like, give him dirty looks as he walks away. <laughs> then, back at the Wilkerson house, Abe and Hal are talking about Stevie. Uh, like, trying to, uh, you know, figure out how to get him to open back up. And Hal is, like, trying to, uh, give him some advice, and as he's doing this, he's, uh, working on getting a stain out of, uh, Abe's shirt collar, and he, like, sees Abe off to work, and Lois, seeing all of this go down, and, uh, having seen, uh, some other similar instances, like, like, takes Hal aside and asks what he's doing with Abe, and, uh, Hal, says, I'm just being a good friend. <laughs> and Lois says, no, you're clearly trying to replace Kenny, which is not going to work. But Hal says, that's ridiculous, as he's calling to leave a message for Abe, uh, th- with the entire message just being, you matter.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know what, though? Hal's being a really friend. He is right. A creepy good friend, but a good friend, Jake.
0: He has good intentions, at least. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Then <laughs> going back to Malcolm and Stevie uh, at school, Malcolm like finds Stevie stuck at the bottom of a wheelchair ramp, like unable to go up it. And Malcolm says that he's seen Stevie do wheelies up this ramp. He can get up it. And Stevie uh, <laughs> tells Malcolm. Uh, To, you know, uh, go find someone else's life to destroy. Uh, Lloyd's looking pretty happy. Why don't you go ruin his family? (sighs) Uh, He's doing all of this through the speaking spell still, refusing to uh, talk.
1: He's got to save his energy for breathing, Jake.
0: That's right. And Malcolm tells him, that you know, he understands that uh, what Kitty did really messed with him. And, uh, he understands that, you know, he's feeling sad, but he needs to stop feeling sorry for himself and get mad. That's what he would do if his mom left. Well, not my mom, but you know what I mean. <laughs> 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 then, uh, that's where my opening line comes from, as Stevie still in the speaking spell says, Uh, thanks, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And then Malcolm, like, looking pleased with himself, starts to say, Okay, uh, so we can start moving forward then Stevie adds this thing sucks at sarcasm (laughs) and once again getting fed up Malcolm starts to like make fun of Stevie trying to rile him up and uh as he is he's like uh calling him a crybaby And he, like, walks over to a bag of dodgeballs and starts throwing them at Stevie, saying, I I know your arms work. You you can grab these. And uh, Malcolm, uh, like, turns to camera and and says that, uh, I'm probably going down a pretty bad path here, but I need to see it out and get my point across, or this is going to look really bad.
1: (laughs) I have news for you, Malcolm. This is going to look really bad either way.
0: (laughs) It sure is, and, uh... We're not the only ones who think so, as a teacher sees what's going on he's, like, talking to two older, bigger students and seeing what Malcolm is doing, he just turns to them and says, Go kick his ass! <laughs> <laughs> uh... Cut to Malcolm in a wheelchair! <laughs> uh, ha- having had his ass thoroughly kicked, <laughs> he's... Uh, talking about how ironically he actually qualifies for wheelchair basketball now.
1: That's right. It's ironic. And he
0: rolls up to Reese and, uh, tells him never help anybody. Which is, uh, the point that we already covered where Reese turns to him and just says, You've never been in love, have you?
1: I mean, he's right, but how did he know?
0: Back at the house, Hal and Abe are arguing over whether or not to get Stevie some baggy pants. It's uh, it's what's fashionable now, but uh, Abe doesn't want to do it. But uh, Hal, like, eases his worries, saying, w- What's Stevie gonna do, join a gang because he has baggy pants? So, <laughs> Abe relents. Then... Uh, Hal, uh, is, like, folding all of Abe's laundry and, like, finishing that up. He gets up to go to the kitchen, and as he's getting up, he asks Abe if he wants anything, and Abe, like, reflexively as he's reading the newspaper, says, no thanks, honey, and, like, turns <laughs> towards Hal and, like, pu- puckers his lips for a kiss. <laughs> and, uh, Hal, seeing this realizes that Lois was right, that he's been trying to replace Kitty, and he tells Abe that he is kicking him out, and he explains that, you know, he he can't replace Kitty, that he'll uh, be there for him as a friend, but that Abe needs to, uh, you know, step up and be a parent for Stevie himself and start figuring out his post-divorce life then Abe you know, says that he's right and you know, starts to get up to leave but uh Hal straightens his tie one last time before sending him off <laughs> and Abe goes off to find Stevie who is sitting in the park alone uh and the sprinklers have turned on and Stevie is just sitting there while they drench him and Abe like wheels him away from the sprinklers and Asked what he was doing and says you're soaked. And Stevie says it's about time you tell me the truth about something. (laughs) Then Abe uh apologizes to him, saying that you know he knows that he needs to be there for Stevie. Uh, but that he can't be because he's a weak, weak man. (laughs) And he gives a for lack of better term, pep talk to stevie
1: <laughs>
0: about how you know stevie's already had to face you know all kinds of diversity in his life and this is going to be another thing that he's just going to have to face and he knows that it's not fair but there's a uh, no other way out of it and he tells him he, he will be there to help him uh, he'll always be there uh Frightened and full of denial, but I'll be there.
1: (laughs) Hey, you know, sometimes that's the best you can get, Jake.
0: Fair enough. And that finally, like, breaks Stevie out of his, uh, despondent, like, fugue state. Then we once again see Malcolm and Stevie at the park playing wheelchair basketball. And Malcolm is, like, putting together their game plan... And it, uh, like, ends with him, uh, taking a shot to score, but Stevie says, no, I'm taking the shot. I don't have a mom. (laughs) 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 And Malcolm says, fine, but that's the third time (laughs) you've used that card today. And Stevie just says, better get used to it. (laughs) And The kids that saw Malcolm uh, stand up out of the wheelchair earlier, you know, see Malcolm again, and they come over to him and uh, start, like, tearing into him, saying how shitty it is that he's trying to do this and he's not even in a wheelchair, and Malcolm tries to explain that, no, I actually am hurt and need the wheelchair now, but... Uh, they're having none of it, and they tear him out of the chair and start running over his broken leg with their wheelchairs. Yeah,
1: it's pretty pretty vicious. It is. But also, I kind of get it.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure. But uh, that, that uh, wraps this final plot line up. I do appreciate that, like, with the exception of Francis, all of the boys' plot lines just end with them screaming. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, with those all wrapped up, let's go to our awards. And as usual, we will start with our Roller Skating Keen Award, our award for the best visual moment. What did you choose for this one, David?
1: Man, I ended up going with what I wrote down as uh, Malcolm Assault Stevie. Uh because gotcha. while it was awful and terrible it was also really funny. Uh especially the the teacher sending the other two kids to to kick his ass. I just I love that scene. Is he's just throwing fucking volleyballs at him. Uh it's it's pretty great.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh I went with a similar-ish moment. I went with sad
1: stevie and the
0: sprinklers
1: that was dude that was my uh that was my backup it was great
0: yeah it's just just poor poor sad stevie just sitting and just getting hit by the 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 sprinklers just completely not reacting (laughs) it's just so good
1: right Ah, it's so funny
0: and what did you choose for your Hot Dog with Mustard Award? Your award for the best line.
1: Uh, I went with a line that I think was supposed to be like a throwaway line, but especially given our uh, relationship and our friend group is a much funnier line than I think it was even intended to be. And that is, Burt Reynolds hot or Sting hot? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yep, yep. For uh, similar
0: reasons, that that was also my... Top choice. Is it a, ties into an ongoing argument between the two of us. Yeah. I, I think this is evidence that I am right about.
1: No, it's not is at the, all. We no, Rem- because the Burt Reynolds the, the, the argument the argument no. The argument it was about at the current moment way before like way after this. Okay? This happened way before that. And at the moment of the argument and the continued moments, so we can't go back in time. Okay, at this current moment, and since the argument started, Tom Selleck is more famous than Burt Reynolds. But Burt Reynolds, admittedly, is hotter, and always was. I never disagreed with that.
0: Yes, he he's hotter and also more famous. Uh no, it's just fact.
1: I mean, Tom Selleck's still in stuff. Where, where's Burt Reynolds?
0: This is not a valid argument. Yeah, Tom Tom Selleck does not win by default by being alive.
1: Mm, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like if I enter a competition right now and the only guy I'm competing against is dead, unless I'm running for president, I win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Moving away from that argument. (laughs) Oh my god,
1: I might actually
0: give him an aneurysm
1: this episode.
0: (laughs) My backup line that I'm going with is the Stevie line, I shoot, I don't have a mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh...
1: (laughs) God, Which, uh, what
0: my, uh, like, best friend in high school had a, uh, very similar go-to trump card. His, uh, dad was dead. Which he would bring up any time. Oh my god. <laughs> with, with, uh, usually as a joke. <laughs> right. So, uh, th- th- this definitely rang true <laughs> for teenage boys dealing with traumatic parent stuff. <laughs> <laughs> But moving on to our next award, which of these plot lines did you choose as the A plot of your heart?
1: I really loved Abe and Hal.
0: Fair enough.
1: The replacement wife uh, timeline or plot line was was so good. So funny. I love the I love Hal and Abe's interaction. And and, and Stevie is phenomenal. Like he doesn't say a whole lot in this episode, but he's just so good.
0: Yeah, I also went with the uh, M.A.S.H. plot line.
1: No, that's that's not the name.
0: Well, it is. Though. It's not, though. But yeah, the, the Abe Hal stuff was like the, probably the, the the funniest part of the episode. And then just the uh, Stevie Malcolm stuff was also just really well done. And poor, poor Steve.
1: Right? God.
0: And moving on to our next award, who did you choose as your favorite character?
1: I chose Stevie. Uh, you have to choose Stevie. He doesn't have a mom. Right? Exactly. <laughs> he needs that participation trophy, Jake.
0: Oh, I'm going to hell.
1: <laughs> God, dude, this this is going to be fucked up. Should I say this? Fuck it. I'm going to say it. This episode reminds me a lot of life after... For those who don't know, my brother is actually adopted. He's not, like, blood brother. This reminds me of after his mom died, like, after the initial shock of it and all the, like, just, like, sad, depressed moments he would have, but then he would just pop off with, like, the most dark jokes or the mom card, as Malcolm calls it, consistently. Right. And it was, like... Yeah, we made a lot of bad jokes back then. We were bad people.
0: Yeah. But I also feel like that's it's a it's a pretty common coping mechanism.
1: Yeah, I think so. But uh it, it definitely brought back memories watching this episode. I was like, "Oh hey, yeah, yeah. He, made jo- he made that same joke. he made that same joke."
0: Yeah, yeah. No, for, for sure this is like <laughs> one of the most relatable episodes just just because of that because uh yes. The exact same scenario, also have an adopted brothers, like a family friend whose mom passed away from cancer, and, uh, yeah.
1: Right. <laughs> that All
0: is, this stuff rings true.
1: That is weird. I've never really thought about it, but yeah, we both do have a brother who, wow. Yeah. Holy shit.
0: Yeah. It, it is weird how <laughs> identical the
1: scenarios are. Right. <laughs> oh, God. And they're both insane, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, you're Eww. not wrong. <laughs> God,
0: but uh, it's also it's also been like the for like the past week. That's been like the big ongoing joke and achievement hunter. Oh because, God, uh, both Alfredo and uh, one of their new hires, Joe, were like both abandoned by their dads as kids. And Malcolm, or er, Malcolm, Michael's dad is dead, and they've just been making nonstop jokes about being abandoned by by their dads. Oh, my is, God. And uh, laughing more than I've ever heard them laugh at anything about it. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> well, people like Matt just said they're very uncomfortable.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can imagine. And I get it. I get it. Because it is. It's 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 super uncomfortable. When two people start joking about their dead parents, you kind of want to laugh because the jokes are funny. But also you're like, I'll, I'll, I'll sit over here with my two living parents. <laughs> right. Um, you guys want a beer? Like, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I get it.
0: Well, uh, moving on to our next award. Who did you give your Cloris Leachman award? Your
1: award for the best acting. I mean, I gave it to Craig Lamar Trailer, of course. That is fair. He does do a fantastic
0: job of uh, like showing this regression stevie goes through uh, this uh depression that he's in
1: yeah and like the shock uh of the initial discovery and like you, you get to see him literally go like from one end of the spectrum to the other throughout this episode
0: yeah yeah no that's a, a a good choice that i only went a different direction on because i figured you would take him uh so i went with gary anthony williams who plays abe that's I feel like he also did a great job this episode, especially with just, like, leaning into, like, the physical side of Hal being his, you know, stand-in wife and just, like, gradually getting more and more into this, like, traditional domestic role with each other. Yeah. I I thought he did a great job. And then I also think his, like, end speech with uh, Stevie is also fantastic.
1: Yeah, it's very good.
0: Then, what did you give your OK Boomer Award? Your award for the moment or detail that sets the episode firmly within its time of release.
1: I gave it to the cootie catcher, Jake, because I haven't seen one of those since the 2000s.
0: Cootie catcher.
1: There it is. He got it.
0: Yeah, because you said it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know. For some reason,
0: I, I, I could... Like, remember the catcher part, but I could not fucking remember the cootie part. I was just running through different words and none of them were (laughs) right.
1: (laughs) Should have made you guess.
0: I never would have got it in a thousand years.
1: I know. That would have been the best part.
0: That is fair. I went with baggy pants. (laughs) Both as being like the, just like general fashionable thing and the like, being synonymous with being in a gang thing.
1: Yeah, you gotta have your Jinko jeans, man. Yeah, which was, like,
0: living in the Midwest, still a thing up to, like, my high school graduation.
1: <laughs> yeah, they did last a lot longer here than they did everywhere else. So. Right.
0: Uh, de- definitely a thing I associate with the 2000s into, like, the early
1: 2010s. <laughs> right. And everyone else is like, it's such a 90s thing. <laughs> Not here. It wasn't. We're behind the times. Yeah, but I do feel like
0: <laughs> later on, like by then, it wasn't. It wasn't a thing that like parents were scared about. The way I remember them being in like the late '90s, early 2000s. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, th- th- that's why I chose that particular detail.
1: Yeah, because if parents could be af- if parents could be afraid of it in the '90s, my parents were afraid of it. Fair. D and D, Power Rangers, freaking baggy jeans, Pokemon, it, Pokemon, which is funny because by the time I was thirteen, I was hanging out with actual gangsters and people who are actually in prison now, and you know, getting <laughs> stabbed, getting you know, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: so if they not so saying it worked, if they don't <laughs> let me be a nerd. <laughs> They let you read Harry Potter and play Pokemon,
1: <laughs> but those kids wouldn't want to hang out with you. Exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't have been one of the quote cool kids. The fact that they didn't know I was thirteen, not a part of the scenario at all. That's <laughs> what happens when you're, you know, a grade or two ahead of everybody, and you've been six foot tall, two hundred pounds since you were thirteen. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's fair. When my nephew was in elementary school and playing, like, peewee football. There was a kid on his team that was le- like that <laughs> way. Like, elementary school, and he was, like, almost six foot tall already. Right. It's Like, a huge fucking kid. And we'd always just call him the adult on the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Because, like, he was just so much bigger than all of the other kids. It was absurd to look at. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! But <laughs> uh, that just leaves our shittiest and least shitty kid awards. Let's start with least shitty. Who did you think was least shitty this week?
1: uh Reese. I'm in complete agreement. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Uh,
0: Reese does nothing bad this episode.
1: I agree. So uh, yeah,
0: open and shut case. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no. You can't argue it. Like it's it's just fact.
0: Yeah. And who did you choose as your shittiest
1: kid? Uh Malcolm, obviously. He pelted Stevie with volleyballs. That's reasonable.
0: Malcolm's strong contender
1: this episode. Strong contender. He's a monster. He was being such an asshole. Even the teacher was like, "Yeah, go beat that kid up."
0: Look, they didn't have the full context.
1: Look, even with the... I did have the full context, and I'm like, you're an asshole. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's like, I I can't defend Malcolm on that point. You're right. But I don't think he was shitty a skid this episode. Because, really? Yes. Because Francis killed a poodle. <laughs>
1: wasn't even in the episode yeah but we found out that he did it (laughs) wow and he killed a horse i mean he was supposed to kill the horse jake although i will say hang on hang on hang on francis almost got it for me like i malcolm's definitely shittiest but uh yeah no i agree francis is shitty but uh malcolm's just so, so much worse
0: yeah, look, the, I'm not not gonna dispute that. I think Malcolm is a valid choice this week. I, I just went with Francis instead. Because he, he killed, killed two animals? Yes. Mostly the poodle. The, the, the horse, you know, prob- sh- should have been at least killed in a less painful way than choking to death, but, uh...
1: I don't know. After watching those two and the way they hold a shotgun, the carrot might yeah. have been the humane way.
0: Com- yeah, compared to... The- them shooting probably, but again, even if they you know <laughs> shot it and had to shoot it multiple times, it doesn't change the fact that it should have been put down in a more humane way, right? Uh, and horse. and on top of all that, Francis almost shot Otto.
1: Yeah, but Otto almost shot Francis. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but it's, Otto's it's a not a convention
0: for shittiest kids.
1: I see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that wraps up our awards, but we have a couple of segments left. Beginning with the Cranston Connection, which was my job this week. And what's the Cranston Connection, Jake? The Cranston Connection is where we try to find links between various characters played by Brian Cranston, as we have determined that all of these characters are actually the same
1: character. Yep. Or fractures of his sanity.
0: Or different multiversal versions of the character.
1: Yeah, I mean if Disney can do it, so can we.
0: Uh, or evil clones, which I think we suggested in an episode as well.
1: Again, if Disney can do it, so can we. <laughs> <laughs> but that one they did in real life.
0: <laughs> it <Wait>, was. <laughs> <laughs> Are you calling the the Sweet Life Twins evil?
1: Maybe.
0: (laughs) What do you know about Zack and Cody that I don't?
1: (laughs) They're twin boys. I mean, and they were teenagers when they recorded that. I was also a teenage boy once upon a time in my life. They were evil.
0: (laughs) Fair. Fair. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) But... Moving away from that, the Cranston Connection for this week is we see the birth of one of the later characters that Hal will become in this episode as he reaches the conclusion of his relationship with Abe and sort of realizes what Abe actually needs and... You know, gives him the the advice that he needs to improve his life. That created an interest in Hal in psychology,
1: ah. which
0: eventually he would uh, follow through on. You know, m- much much later down the line, when he would be known as Doctor Templeton, who is Larry David's psychologist in curb your enthusiasm, uh, who <laughs> has to uh. ...deal with, uh, Larry David being Larry David. <laughs> Larry David, uh, breaks their, uh, patient-doctor confidentiality by sharing private details from their sessions. <laughs> uh, which is a fantastic bit, uh, but he was, of course, led there by his relationship with avon by his ability to, you know, Help Abe realize what he actually needed and help put him on the proper path. And that just leaves David's guessing game. Yay! She did pretty well this week for this episode. You guessed that uh, Kitty would not appear in the episode. And you knew that a divorce episode was coming and you correctly guessed that this was it. And... Uh you were fairly close on guessing why they got divorced. As you thought that it would be partially because Stevie didn't need their help anymore. Uh you also thought that it would be more of like a or like frustration that like Abe has his own like successful work life which didn't really factor in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Abe's success didn't factor in, but I think the rest of it I hit.
0: Yeah. Then, uh, you also correctly predicted that the Wilkerson's would be dragged into this plotline, uh, through Hal, talking to Abe, like, as friends, and you were also fairly close on the, uh, detail that you didn't want to lock in that Malcolm might be the one to, uh, tell Stevie. But that was obviously Reese who, uh, overheard the conversation <laughs> and told Stevie instead. Right. Uh, But you got pretty much everything, so I gave you a 97%. Yeah.
1: I need it after those (laughs) 70-somethings.
0: What do you think happens next week in Thanksgiving?
1: Ah, another holiday episode, eh? Uh, well, it's Thanksgiving, so I think we're going to see the whole family. I don't know if we're going to see cooking. Like, could be one of those, like, post-Thanksgiving type deals or, like, pre-Thanksgiving or, like, you know, the... the the typical tv trope where they end up all eating but no one actually is seen cooking but if there is cooking it's it's got to be reese right like i feel like he's the only one in the family who knows how to cook a turkey properly okay and then it's the Wilkersons, so maybe we get like obviously there's going to be contention there has to be but i think it's too early in the season because this is only what episode four yep Uh, I think we have gotten one that early, though, before where Cloris Leachman shows up.
0: I think she showed up episode four last year.
1: Yeah, I think so. That's where I'm like, ooh, is it a Cloris Leachman episode? Maybe we see Grandma. I don't want to lock that in. I feel like just Thanksgiving doesn't give me enough.
0: (laughs) That's fair. It's a very general title.
1: Right? Yeah. (laughs) Fuck, dude. This one's hard because it's it's Thanksgiving. Like, what do you... Hmm. Maybe we'll see some, you know, family arguments, probably, because I'd imagine Francis and Piama will be back and everyone will be together. Who knows? Maybe one of the guys tries to get out of it. Like, maybe, maybe that's the opposite. You start with the full family, and then by the end of the episode, you don't have the full family. I don't know. Dude, it's, it, how am I supposed to guess this off Thanksgiving? This is not something. This is maybe the hardest one we've had. <laughs> we don't even have like a a trend built for the season yet. Like, I feel like I could guess this way better if this was like episode sixteen. Fair, but episode four, like, fuck. So yeah, I think I think we're definitely gonna see the whole family get together. I think we're gonna see some arguments and and general bitchiness, obviously. But I mean, duh, Malcolm's you know involved somewhere. <laughs> Maybe that's the catch.
0: You think Malcolm's going to have a thankful Thanksgiving?
1: No. I mean, maybe, but not if he is. He's not with his family. (laughs) Like, dude, he can't. He takes his family for for granted so much. There's no way that little shit is with his family and is thankful. Okay, then. Like, you know what? Because just for you, Jake, I'm going to lock that in. Malcolm is thankful, but not with his family. I don't know what that means. I don't know where he's gonna be, and I'm probably getting a really bad grade. (laughs) Okay. But fuck you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then yeah, I think I think we can depend on on Reese doing some helping, and I think we're gonna if Francis and Piama are there, we're probably gonna see some fighting with Lois, or at least some snarky quips, you know? Yeah. And beyond that, I have no fucking clue.
0: Okay, that works for me. Well, that wraps this episode up. Thank you for listening. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can reach us by email, where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com, or on Twitter, where we are unfair underscore podcast. And if you would like to support us directly, you can do so through Patreon, where we are Let's Play Death Ray, which is how you gain access to all of our bonus content, including the secret podcast uncave.
1: And the new up-and-coming podcast by our roommate Kyle. True. Yet to be titled.
0: The Kyle Cast.
1: That's right. Mm. I feel like any name that puts a potential K and a K next to each other is just one letter away from disaster. So maybe. Yeah, that's
0: that's true. true. Yeah. yeah. Kyle ruins alliteration.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does. I feel like Kyle doesn't ruin it. I feel like the South ruins (laughs) alliteration.
0: It's a group effort.
1: Okay. Okay. Kyle's in the South, ruin alliteration. Are we going to have to do a live tour and apologize to all the Kyles now?
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with that. I refuse to apologize to the South, though.
1: <laughs> wow. <laughs> look,
0: I'll, I'll apologize to the South when they stop being the South.
1: Wow. <laughs> hey, I mean, I got a couple Southerners to stop being like that. I just yeah, moved yeah, them up no, to Wyoming, look, you know? nothing. Nothing against
0: individual Southerners. The, the the South has, like, a institution that I'm against. I see. <laughs> and, you know, a couple of very specific state governments right now.
1: <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> but also, if you enjoy the banter back and forth here and want to join us live, head on over to twitch.tv slash LP Deathray where we stream video games, interact with the audience, and in general have a good time. We're live every night except for Friday and Saturday night at 7.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Come join us. It's a ton of fun.
0: And as always, remember, life is unfair.
1: He knows that's not in the recording, right?
0: (laughs) I I don't know that he does, David.
1: Okay. (laughs) 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 All right, I'm going to do my part now. I got to stop laughing, though.